Screen time. You know, if you're a parent, that's one of those phrases you've probably gotten used to hearing over the last few years. And for many of us, we know, well, our kids are probably getting too much of it. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, Focus on the Family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. By now, we all know as parents that too much screen time, and I'm talking smartphones or tablets or, you know, ginormous 100-inch TVs in our basement, (laughs) isn't a good thing for our kids. But do we know why? Well, today, my colleague and, well, my boss, Dr. Danny Huerta, (laughs) will join a conversation on this subject we're calling, This is Your Brain on Screens. And Some of you of a certain tender age will remember the PSA ads from 1987, right? Where the guy comes on and holds up an egg and says, this is your brain, and then has a frying pan and says, this is drugs, and then puts the egg in the frying pan with predictable sizzling results. This is your brain on drugs. So we're we're playing on that. And obviously, the point of that ad campaign was drugs fry your brain. And today, uh, Danny and all of us are going to talk about Maybe not how screens fry our brains per se, but the real ways that too much interaction may be affecting them in ways that are problematic. And our hope is that as you understand those influences more deeply, it will be another way that helps you as a parent to manage this part of your family's life. So Danny, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, Thank you all for having me here with you. Excited to be with you. Absolutely. (laughs) And a bit later on, we're going to hear from Paul A.C. on Disney Plus and Marvel's latest collaboration. It's an interesting show called Marvel's What If. And if you enjoyed the pulse-pumping drama of cultural news hot (laughs) off the proverbial (laughs) press a couple weeks ago, you won't want to miss the return of our Culture Countdown segment this week. So with no further ado, let's get started. Danny, as I mentioned in the intro, um, you'll you be mentioned ju- boss in the intro. Did you oh, know yeah, that, Adam? I did. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, wow. <laughs> yes. And Mr. a lot Quirtle. of pressure there with, with what, how you, you introed the whole thing. I but know. Thanks for, but you're, thanks for the introduction. You're also a colleague. Yes, so appreciate it's it. just two colleagues talking today. <laughs> so along with Danny today, we've got Paul Acey, Kristen Smith, and Jonathan McKee to talk about screen time. And specifically, we're going to talk about how these colorful pixelated surfaces are actually influencing the neural pathways and connections in that good old gray matter we all have sitting in our Mm -hmm. noggin. Danny, you've recently finished your doctorate, which I'm pretty sure nobody else at this table can say. It was pretty painful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't want to do it again. So I'm glad that you're done. And thank you. um, And this is one of the areas that you really focused on in your studies. I know our plugged in show team today is looking forward to interacting with you on this. Mm -hmm. So we hear a lot about screen time and we hear a lot about the importance of limiting it. And I think sometimes when you hear a rule suggested over and over, we can get kind of numb to, yeah, yeah, screen time. But I want to start with the basics here. In terms of kids' brain development, why is it important to have limits on the amount of time that our children engage with via their screens? Well, the most basic one is the emotional centers of the brain are are what the amygdala develops first. And so that, that area is very reactive. It's operating off of just pure emotion. That's really what a child is doing all the way until they go into the teenage years. And then they start getting the street signs for their brain, right? All those pathways that are 
growing, they all of a sudden get stop signs, start learning where the stop signs need to be, where to turn, how to, how to navigate life. But that takes all the way into the 20s wow. to learn that. And the way that, uh, that screens and technology entertainment has been designed is to capture, to hook the brain as long as it can. And okay. when they designed the phones, they designed it with that in mind. We want to keep you as long as you can. And they actually hired the top neuroscientists to design these things in order to uh, sell them and make it a part of everyday life. And for a young child, they don't know when to stop. They just know it feels good. Mm. And I'm going to keep doing it. And why not? Why wouldn't I do that? And boredom can be very stressful. And this solves it. You have everything right at the palm of your hand or on a screen. So for a young child, they need somebody to guide them along the way. Hmm. So it doesn't feel like a very fair fight to me, you know, pitting six-year-olds against neuroscientists. Is that, <laughs> that's, no, that's a fair you know, way to say it. I'm yeah. guessing that when, you know, Parker Brothers made Monopoly back in the whenever it was, 1930s, they didn't have neuroscientists thinking, how can we make this game so good that the eight-year-olds never want to keep playing? And it almost seems like parents sometimes aid and abet this, right? Yeah. I mean, screens are fascinating, but when you think about parents on their phones, yeah. you know, kids watch their parents play with their phones all the time, and they want to be like mom and dad, right? I mean, yeah. so you really have to be cautious as a parent too, right? Even the task-focused moms, I've <laughs> this has been a conflict in counseling between teenagers and moms, well, mom, you're always on the phone. Yeah, I'm getting appointments done and tasks done, but then they're not present with what's happening. They're constantly managing that. That can be addictive to a task-focused person because mm. then you can do yes. everything task-focused on your phone, <laughs> yes. get it done. It's, it, it's, it's, you know, you get a, a text message, oh, that's another thing I need to take care of, and it feels like Tetris for, <laughs> for, for a task-focused mom. <laughs> and so we do want, need to be mindful about what we're doing as parents and knowing that one of the major ones that was fascinating to me was learning about mirror neurons. Hmm. The neurons, we have about 200 million. Is that million. when neurons look at themselves yeah, in the mirror they and look say, at themselves, hey, you look good, beautiful. Good, you're looking <laughs> good today. Right. Nice hair. Uh, <laughs> Dad exactly. jokes, everyone. Dad yeah. jokes, everyone. So we have 200 million of these, and kids have those early on. It's not like you get more uh, down the road. And basically, these mirror That's neurons. That's too bad, actually. <laughs> they help you with empathy. And and they propel you into whatever you're watching. And so it's as if you're in that experience. So you can transport yourself into various places of fantasy. And uh, for children, that can be pretty exciting. You're, you're feeling like a superhero. And you're actually, your brain's feeling as if you're that superhero. Mm. And rehearsing that. And so you see a lot of kids coming out of movies kicking. Or oh, yeah. feeling like superheroes, <laughs> putting their arms up. And that's just with nice mirror neurons. That <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Right. Did she put both? Yeah, yeah. When I leave the theater, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those are. It's important for us to realize that because then we're experiencing those things we're watching. See, that's super interesting to me because it reminded me. I had this conversation with my husband because, of course, like I saw this funny meme one time, and it was like marriage is basically just getting onto your spouse about how much they're on your phone when you're off yours for five seconds, you know, something <laughs> like that. And he was talking to me about, he, you know, he was like, well, why is it any different? He was like, you'll be so engrossed in a book that I can't even like get your attention. And he was like, well, I'm on YouTube. And of course, me over here, I'm like, well, I have the statistics for that. Don't you worry. <laughs> and I'm learning how to spell and read. Um, but <laughs> it doesn't make it. The point is being present, right? Yeah. And so no matter what you're on, whatever that is, 
I think the idea is that we have to practice probably setting healthy boundaries because it's so easy. I am that I am that task oriented mom. And if you're listening <laughs> and you are too, that's okay. But um, it, I think it's easy. Like, especially I think in 2021, I have my phone to do so much for me. And so it can be a pro and a con. Like if I'm not careful, I can be on it and not even realize I'm on it. Not yeah, even right. realize, like sometimes I put it down and I, when I am not doing anything, my natural instinct is to pick it up and it freaks me out. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm addicted. Right. right. But, your, your hand knew that you needed yes, your phone, did. even if your brain had yes. lost track of that. But it does, it does do helpful things for us. Like as a mom of two young kids, I can order groceries on my phone. I can do all this stuff that's at the tip of my fingers. And in a way I'm saving time to have time later for my kids in different ways. But I also don't have kids old enough yet that are like looking at me. They're like, well, you're on your phone. So I have to be mindful of that as my kids age. And the main one, just real quick, the main one is the dopamine. Hmm. Yeah. Because the dopamine early on in a child's life, the, the area called ventral stratum, and uh, that's a big word, so you don't need to remember that. But it, actually, a child that's it sounds on like games, a fin. Yeah, is it a this, fin? Well, on this our is heads? the area that produces the dopamine. And for a young child that's on video games or those types of things, it, it actually enlarges that area and produces more dopamine. And now life demands more excitement, more sensory stimulus to satisfy the amount of dopamine that a child's releasing. And this is this is their impulse control, right? Right. So yeah. like of attention, course, motivation, impulse right, control. Right. I did. I didn't do as much research as Danny because I don't have a PhD in this. But they said that it kind of stimulates your brain in the same way cocaine does. The yes. drugs do. So yeah. that's pretty terrifying. Right. Like you have like your own little drug right at the tip of your fingers and you need to be careful how much you're using it. That's right. That's well, true. Well, the, the tricky thing about dopamine is that, you know, a lot of people think that dopamine is kind of like this, like this pleasure thing that you're getting pleasure dopamine's the thing that gives you pleasure but but dopamine's kind of weird because what it is is it's kind of the pleasure of the anticipation of something yeah. and so what it is is it's this part of your brain that like like with a slot machine you're still going because you're like i'm gonna get this i'm gonna get this <laughs> um sadly pornography does the same thing uh, a lot of drugs do the same thing video games use it as well because it's one of those things where oh if i get to this next level i'm gonna get that and so it kind of it gives you this little stimulation of ooh ooh anticipation of the next great thing and so you it, it and, and that's one of those things that really starts to interfere with sleep as well. And, and, yeah. and that could be a whole different conversation. And we could spend a whole plugged in show talking about <laughs> sleep because trying to shut that brain off that is now wired and excited and, and, and full of what's the next thing. And also now get some rest. It takes a while to, to shut down from that. So, yeah, dopamine's kind of a, a tricky little tricky little thing. Yeah. And I would say that with motivation, that's the key piece here. It you get the highest amount of dopamine release before it, the, the, like you were saying, Jonathan, before you actually do the action. It actually have a lower amount of dopamine while you're doing it. And as it depletes it, if you notice a child that's been on a screen for two hours or longer, it's so depleted that they don't have as much self-control. They're yeah. more moody. They may not even go get food because dopamine helps us uh, decide, oh, I'm hungry, I may, I may need to get some food, which makes it dangerous for people addicted to games because they don't eat, uh, they don't go get food, and some of them end up in really difficult uh, medical situations. I mean, for the common person, if you're anticipating a vacation, 
it's very exciting to anticipate the vacation. And, and that's your dopamine coming coming up. And then when you're on the vacation, it's not as exciting as, as when you were anticipating it. And that's yeah. a way to compare that. I was nannying in college. You're talking about people not eating because of games. And I remember I nannied for this family. I'm still super close to them. I came down. I thought it was early. It was like 8, 8 a.m. And Jay was sitting in the living room playing Xbox. And I'm like, how long have you been awake? Right? His parents are at work. He's like, I don't know. He's like, but I'm so hungry. I'm like, get up and get yourself some food. And he's like, can you get it from me? Absolutely not. Get up and like make yourself some food. He's like, I don't even know how long I've been playing. He's like, but I just, I can't stop. And I'm, I'm so hungry. Oh and it was like goodness. such a funny conversation That's to have awesome. because I'm like, okay, we need to have some serious boundaries here. <laughs> like if it's the point of hunger, like we really need to learn how to regulate this. I saw an article just this morning and apparently it was in, it was in Asia. I think it was in South Korea. There was massive flooding and it was a picture of an internet cafe that was flooded. It was about two feet of water and everybody was still sitting at the terminals playing video games. And the point <laughs> of the article was, you know, even a flood wasn't enough to get these guys. And I, it's stereotypical, but it's usually, <laughs> it's more often guys than girls when it comes to that level of, of addiction and compulsion. Uh, and I thought, well, that's a pretty telling photograph. It actually brings up a question in, in my mind, you know, because we talk all the time about the impact of screens on kids. Mm -hmm. In my job, I'm watching a screen a lot. And so sometimes I wonder, what is the impact? And, and that I know explains that, a lot, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The addled brain, the whole bit. But, but what is the impact of, on, on, of screens on adults? Well, I mean, really, the time issue is big, and it shifts your attention. Many times adults put certain responsibilities aside. I don't know if everyone remembers World of Warcraft. Uh, that's a perfect example of, of something becoming addictive to adults, and there was an increase in, in child neglect cases hmm. where they completely gave up any responsibilities. They, they, oh paid, they didn't pay attention to their child. Their children were taken away. Because oh of the because need of to World be on of Warcraft. World of Warcraft wow. and being online. See, online games are even more addictive because now you're getting that sense of worth, sense of competence in the world. You feel good at something. It's very exciting. There's yeah. power. A lot of other social needs that a person gets, especially as adults, if you feel inadequate somewhere else, maybe you're, you're, you're in a, a tough marriage, tough situation, you escape that world and you go to this area of fantasy yeah. mm. and you take on that identity and you lose this identity that you've got. And uh, for adults as well, uh, stress, life can get very overwhelming. And this is a quick hit to Disconnect. escape life for a yeah. little while. And for some parents, they end up disconnecting more than going in and yeah. life gets even more stressful. I was wondering too with that, like, does it affect someone more with ADD? Because that's already something, right, where you're um, – I my husband has ADD. And so I watch him, like, get very engrossed in something, especially when it's something that interests him. And it's mm. almost this, like, inability to pull away from it. And so there are a lot of things that you can do to help that. But, like, as a former teacher, I would watch kids all the time. And I would think, man, I think this probably adds to it. Because you have all of this – pleasure, if you will, before school, before the boring stuff, right? And something that's really fun and kids who are really engrossed and then they come to school and it's almost like they're being like ripped away from something and they're in withdrawal and they're just so disconnected because they already know something that's more entertaining than what's present. 
Yeah, and, and that's that ventral stratum that I talked about. It it expands it, and there's more need for stimulation. So for an ADD person, they're needing yeah. a lot of stimulation already. Right. And this is satisfying it, but then it's expanding the need for more, more. of that. Yeah. But it's satisfying that big need for stimulation. And for the, the common brain, it's the same thing. It They've said that uh, screens for some kids have created... ADD type of symptoms, yeah. and that is that brain's demand for more stimulation because the large amounts of dopamine that are being released, and they're needing more in order to feel calm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and so for your husband, it's like self-medicating. However, it's actually perpetuating the issue because it's expanding yeah. the need for more. Huh. You know, and it's interesting because each of us is all looking for some sort of meaning or feeling like we belong and it's interesting Danny how you said earlier kind of like how some of us we have our task list you know they're on our phone and so we're immediately like oh, okay well if I check these boxes uh-huh. it makes me feel better and and it reminds me of I mean a couple thousand years ago the Mary and Martha situation mm-hmm. uh, you know you've got Mary who's sitting there at Jesus' feet and she's just connecting with him and she's just soaking him in and Martha who's using her spiritual gift of hospitality. And she's like, man, let's do this. And, and the passage says, you know, there in Luke 10, that, that Martha was distracted with all the preparations that had to be done. She was distracted. Mm-hmm. She was distracted by a good thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily that there's these evil things out there that are luring us, but, but here's something that can help us. A, a, a smartphone can really help us organize. It could be a good thing, but it also can become a distraction because it can be something where we kind of feel like, oh, if I do this, then I'm going to be accepted. I'm, I, this is how I can serve. We're really, I think, especially in that story, you know, Jesus was saying, Hey, here's how I want you to serve. Mm. You know, Martha, order some pizza, sit down, chill, be with me, you know, <laughs> some pizza. soak it in, <laughs> you know, because, and very often we, we've got to watch out for those when we allow things to become distractions in our lives. That's great. And you know, personality differences, that's what you're bringing up here uh, in your conversation here about Martha and Mary the screens, technology, entertainment are created for all the various personality differences, and they interact with uh, screens in different ways. So, for instance, the thinkers that are more task-focused, organized, uh, they're more rule followers. They may get be very attracted to the news cycle, to uh, structure things, to task lists. Then you have the leaders that... Uh, maybe it's policy type things that come their way or it's power with those leaders. It's power. So maybe it's the, the shooting games or the games where you're, you're taking over the world and you have the talkers and that's more the, the social media, the, uh, you've got the text messaging and they get addicted to, they're doing, you know, 200 a minute, uh, text (laughs) messages and and they just can't leave the text message world or the social media world. And then you've got the peacemakers that just want to be relational and they'll, they just want downtime. And so if you give them a nice game that's going to be very social, not competitive, they'll get lost in that world and everybody's having a good time together and we can be social together. So each personality type has a place in this and it grabs each of their attentions in different ways. And it's important as parents to understand that there's a difference between the brain and the mind. And that's kind of old science, yet it really is applicable. In Proverbs 4.23, it says to guard our hearts with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And that the first gate to that is our brain. Hmm. And that's the one that's our automatic response. The mind is up to us. That's the one that where we get to say, 
hey, you know, it may be better for me to spend time with my child than on my phone. Mm. That's your mind. You're redirecting your brain. Even though your brain feels like this because you're stressed and tired, your mind is saying, no, but you said you really want a good relationship with your child. And so why don't you do that instead? And for a child, teaching them that decision-making, that we're at intersections all the time. Mm. And when our phone is, is vibrating, uh, you want to know, okay, w- what do I want to do right now? Do I want to talk with the person I'm with, or do I want to pick this up? And uh, I've asked my son the question, what have you noticed? He's 18. What have you noticed in your brain since you got the phone when you were 16? Mm-hmm. And what would you do as a dad? Mm-hmm. Knowing what you, do, you know now, what would you do as a dad with your kids? And, mm-hmm. uh, and he said, yeah, it's 16 makes sense, Dad. It just it's, It really can grab your attention fast and continuously, especially when you're tired and when you're stressed and when Mm. you're bored. Three things that are hard for us to handle. And he said, I want to teach my kids how to handle boredom early on because it's so important to learn that. Well, I love that. And I think that that we could go on for another hour, but I also feel like that's a great place to sort of land this portion of our conversation. Um, And what I really want to emphasize in what you just said, Danny, is it's about relationship. And we talk about that a lot, but the reason we have boundaries is they give us life by limiting things that need to be limited. Uh, And and the other thing I I really appreciate about this conversation is that you've helped us understand what's happening biochemically in the brain. And obviously we've just sort of hit the tip of the iceberg here. There's a lot to talk about, but um, when we're talking about screen time, it's more than just a habit it's really complex things that are happening in our brains and in our kids' brains that we need to be aware of. And I think you've done a good job today of sort of at least opening the door to understanding what that looks like in action and and why that is so important. Well, we're gonna move on right now and talk about something completely different to steal from uh, Monty Python a little bit shamelessly there. Most of us have probably had a dream that mashed up two familiar ideas or images into something new. And Marvel's new animated series on Disney Plus, it's called Marvel's What If, it's kind of like that. But lest I steal any of Paul's thunder here since he (laughs) reviewed the show for us, I'm going to let Paul tell us about Marvel's What If. Paul, what do we need to know? You know, this is actually a really good segment to have with what we've been talking with Danny about because we're talking about limits, right? What If is essentially going the other direction. It is Marvel's limitless cinematic universe. Ooh, I like what you did there. So because (laughs) what we're really talking about is that it sort of preps I think the Marvel fan for a much broader understanding of what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is. It deals with a lot of multiverse type of things, and it talks about, just as you were talking about, Adam, sort of that that idea of what if. You know, what if Hitler had died as a baby? What if Lincoln had lived? What would the world be like? And they take that into the Marvel Cinematic That's Universe. That's kind of cool. That yeah. is cool. Yeah, it's it's only it's not really about Hitler, is it? It's not really. Although about the first Hitler. the first episode may be a tiny bit. No, it's what we're talking about is that same concept yeah. with Marvel superheroes. The first episode was what if uh, Major Carter actually became 
Captain America, Captain Carter. And so it sort of shows this strong female character in that Captain America role, although she's British, so she has a union jacket. Is she Captain Britannia? (laughs) Captain Carter is what they call her. So Uh we watch her do her thing. And so the, the whole series is essentially a bunch of what ifs. Like all the what ifs that you might see on a chat board, a big Marvel centric chat board. And it's and it is interesting. It gives you a new perspective on some of these heroes. At least they're doing something original. It is very original yeah. and very <laughs> divergent. Yeah. To oh. to use that word. Now, I personally get a little bit confused by all these different storylines, but it is a pretty fascinating look at how these superheroes can change if they had decided to take them a different way. Hmm. So I'm a parent. I have a kid who's a Marvel fan. Maybe they're 9, 10, 11, 12, just sort of on the cusp of really going full fandom. What do I need to know as a parent? Pros, cons, it's animated. So as a parent, I might think animated oh. is not going to be as problematic as live action. But uh, yes or no? Slightly less problematic. Slightly less Let's problematic. Let's say okay. if your kids are already in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you're not going to see much beyond that. This really does feel of a piece with your typical Marvel movie. What's the rating? Um, it's TV 14. The first episode is anyway. Oh, gotcha. But you do have violence. You have death. Yeah. You have a little bit of language that you have to watch out for. And of course, when you're talking about superheroes, sometimes they have form-fitting costumes. Now, as you say, Adam, it's all you know animated, which does in this case pull it back slightly. But you also have to remember that sometimes these shows are just a half an hour long. Right. And in a in a Marvel movie, you have two hours to sort of unfurl this content. Sometimes it can feel concentrated in a half an hour form because the action is just nonstop. You see you see more violence per minute than you probably <laughs> do in an actual movie. So so that is something that parents need to be aware of. If they if you've taken them to a bunch of Marvel movies, then this will probably not feel any different. But if they're not in that universe, you might want to hold back a little bit. Well, it is a good opportunity, though, for parents to talk about the what if. We, we are right. fascinated by the what if question, hmm. right? And that, how do we play out in our lives the what if and in people around us the what if? What if we would have made this decision or that decision? How does that play out? It gives a great conversation piece maybe with a teenager. That is actually a wonderful point because you see that in the very first episode. One split-second decision that Major Carter makes changes the whole trajectory of the story. Mm. And and that's the same with our lives, right? It, yeah. it What we choose to do every single day, every single minute, changes what our future looks like. Yeah, the future self. All right. I love that application question because I think sometimes we can just say what's what's good, what's bad. But at Plugged In, we're always wanting to encourage you to think about your entertainment and then think about what's the bridge to helping my kids develop. Uh, And the what if question, you know, Danny, I'm sure you would say our consequential decision making is something that grows, you know, as our kids are teens. And this sort of, you can kind of role play that. What if you made this decision? Uh, I love sort of taking the, the springboard off of this conversation into Here's what a conversation about this show could look like. Well, we are going to move into our culture countdown now. And I personally am very excited to see what you all have brought to the table. 
And here are the rules for those who have participated before and for those of you at your first time. I have a brand new Walmart special egg timer tested. Hopefully will work better than the one did a couple weeks ago. We will see. And you have one minute, one minute to tell us about something that is happening in the world of popular culture, technology, um, youth culture, and uh, why parents need to know about it. So who wants to volunteer or am I picking? You should pick. All right. Paul, <laughs> what do you want? Come why, on, Paul. I was going to pick Paul anyway. All right. Because oh Paul's, Paul's done it before. So man, oh I man. wasn't even supposed Jonathan to pick. Jonathan really wants to do it. No, just go. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you starting the timer? Here we go. Oh, this is stressful. Is Jonathan going after him? What's the order? Yeah, Jonathan will go next. Okay. Okay. Hotel Transylvania Transformia was originally going to be out in theaters October 1st. It's a huge franchise for Sony. The the first three the first three movies have made 1.3 billion dollars. Wow. But in a sign that the movie industry is changing a great deal, Sony has just signed a deal with Amazon. Oh yeah. To move that movie to Amazon Pictures, a hundred million dollars Amazon paid for this sucker, yeah. so it is a huge deal. And and I think that the the thing that really fascinates me about this is that um, oh man, is the time speeding up? Yeah, you're taking too much. Time. Oh my goodness, is that is that really even in this this time of of where things are sort of returning back to normal? Um, you are finding more and more stuff going to these streaming services. And that's something that parents need to be aware of because when these movies go to streaming services, it can be harder to monitor. You can't take them to the movie theater anymore. They can just flip on Amazon or Netflix. <laughs> hey, you did it. Nice. Nice I job. You, there was Paul. even a nice pause there. Oh, right I thought the, it was one the minute timer. for all of us. I was like, Paul, you're yeah. talking no, no. slower <laughs> toward the end. No, no. Each, each person kept... gets one minute. Oh, no. Thanks, Paul, for that. Jonathan, that what do you got for us? That is how it is done. <laughs> that's, that's great. Okay. Tell me when I start. I'm so excited. You're starting. Okay. Um, on August 12th, TikTok launched uh, this, these increased protections for minors. And I'm always skeptical when, uh, you know, social media companies say they're launching new, you know, guardrails and protections because I'm like, are they really or are they just trying to, you know, uh, please some of the complaints that are out there, but they actually are introducing this series of product changes for 13 to 17 year olds. And they're trying to make TikTok, as they call it, more private, safer, and less addictive. So I, I was reading a little bit about it and TechCrunch did this nice little summary about it. And TikTok says that users age 16, 17 will actually have their direct message settings to be set to no one. And that's huge because that means it used to be default where anybody can message them. The other thing that also, uh, teens under 16, um, their first video asks them to choose who will watch their content instead of being default to everybody. So kudos mm. to TikTok for these changes. Mm. And that's a minute. Mm. Wow, two of you have done this Good job. in under a minute. Okay. Jonathan, you and I rock. The bar wow. is set we rock high. Like it's high. <laughs> All right. So you guys did it a couple of weeks ago. So we now have our newbies. Who wants to go next? Kristen, what do you I got guess. for us? Not a lot. Probably 30 <laughs> seconds. Hang on, people. I think you're giving your yeah. boss like an unfair advantage. That's nice. Okay, it's not That's your turn. Nice. All right, guys. <laughs> the only thing I really have here is I wanted to talk about how anime is really taking over Netflix. Um, so Ooh. we just reviewed The Shaman King. 
And obviously all of these. At PluggedIn.com. At PluggedIn.com. Um, all of these are animated. And so Paul had mentioned before, sometimes that's a little difficult to know if animation, like it seems like it's really kid-friendly. But a lot of these are rated TV-14. Some are rated MA. Um, just wanted to give parents a head up to, to know that there's a lot of there's, there, and some of them are a lot of pros, but also you have to watch out for language and sexual content and most of all, spirituality that can get really murky in a lot of these. So that's mine. Shaman King is a huge example of yes. that. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Mm. See, it won't even go off now. It's you fine. guys are so I good. I did it my in less than a minute. That was good. That was good. I mean, it's amazing, actually, to see what you can all say in a minute. Just saying. <laughs> the shorter the better, That's right? Awesome. That's good. <laughs> Danny, what do you got for us? All right. Mine's short. It'll be quick. So technology is narrowing the beauty standards for uh, for teens. It's kind of setting the tone for what be- what is beautiful and what is not. And so the filters, there are more than 200 million users of filters on Snapchat. And then you've got TikTok and Instagram with the filtering. I've seen my niece doing the same, kind of changing herself up in order to look a certain way because there are certain standards that are being set uh, by these uh, social media platforms. So just keep in mind, if you're seeing any of those filters come on, talk through what the how they're being impacted in their belief system of what is beautiful and why oh that was the best one that was Holy good. i mean danny we're, well honestly nice. we're gonna have to shorten this to 30 seconds you guys are so good you know i my filters my my default it's so i can look like adam <laughs> oh gotcha yeah whoa we'll talk about that afterwards <laughs> so all right now me and mine's gonna be about 15 seconds so doubt it Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That was... Stealing my time, that Hater. Was... You're stealing my time. It's going to take 15 seconds. So we think of, you know, kids who are addicted to, well, we think of gamers as kids, right? You know, video gamers, kids synonymous with, you know, there's a stereotype when you think about people who are addicted to gaming. Well, it turns out, statistically, the average gamer is a full time professional and dad of three. Yeah, sounds about right. Which I guess I. That's me. I mean, I, most of the time I feel like a full-time professional. I guess you all can be the judge of that. But, <laughs> but it's interesting. We have, we have these stereotypes of who we think is what. Uh, but it, it turns out that the biggest gamers in the world are um, not kids sitting in the basement, but their dads. Made it. Boom. <laughs> nice job, Adam. All right. Well, I'll consider shortening this to 45 seconds because I, you know, I feel like the buzzer just adds a little something in terms of drama here. It's very stressful. But... I think we should have, like, if we shorten, we should have an opportunity to just talk about it. Right? Okay. All right. I'll, I'll think True. about it. I feel Good like point, I need to be Paul. on like my that. phone like to that. de-stress. <laughs> well, just kidding. Totally kidding. That's good. I love the conversations we've had today about screen time and learning about Marvel's What If. And it's been a great discussion. And here at Plugged In, we like to talk. You've probably figured that out by now. We like to think together about how the ideas we're exposed to in entertainment and technology shape our hearts and shape our habits. Uh, and we like talking to each other, and we would love to talk with you too. So, what did you think of our conversation today? How have you dealt with screens in your family? Is there a specific strategy for setting limits that's worked for your kids? You can let us know at Facebook or Instagram, and our Instagram is Plugged In Team. Or if you'd rather, uh, you know, tell us about what you think of Marvel's latest project too. You can tell us there, or just shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. 
And as our thanks of being a part of the Plugged In Show family, today for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of our very own Focus on the Family Vice President Dr. Danny Huerta's book, Seven Traits of Effective Parenting. You've had a chance to hear Danny today, and you can learn more about some of the things that, that he has talked about and just how to apply those things to parenting. And you'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the Plugged In blog entry for today's conversation, or just give us a call at 800-A-FAMILY. Well, as always, thanks so much for spending some time with us, and we look forward to connecting with you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. Plugged In.